It's good to be here, and I hope you did have a very, very happy Thanksgiving. I know that we did. I ate a lot of food. I feel like a pregnant woman, or as I imagine what a pregnant woman would feel like right now because I ate so much, ready to get back to the gym starting on Monday. And then Christmas will roll around, and we'll eat a whole lot more. Um, I've got a word for you today that has been on my heart. It's, it's one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. And ever since I was a kid, I don't know why this story has always stuck out to me. It's found in Mark chapter 2. You can also find it in Luke chapter 5. But I just, I got a question this morning. And you can, you can answer back if you want. But I just, I, I wonder today, if, is there anybody in the room that, that still believes that God still moves? A couple of you. Okay, so we're starting off a little weak, but then we'll get a little bit better as the morning goes on. Do you believe that God still moves? Do you believe that Jesus still saves? Because you know, the, the enemy has got us discouraged as if God is not moving because everywhere you look, it's disaster, it's discouragement, and it's distraction. I don't have any more D's or I would give you one more D there. But everywhere we look, everything's trying to discourage us. It'll never, ever, ever get better and there's nothing you can do and so you might as well give up you might as well stay exactly where you are. God is not here. He is not faithful. It's exactly what the enemy did to Eve back in Genesis chapter 3. Started distorting the word of God and whispering lies to her. And that's what I believe the enemy is doing to our culture now, whispering lies to us. And he's also got us really, really, really distracted. Amen? Oh, come on. Like when I was a kid, we played outside. Now I'm begging my kids to go outside because they've got devices on devices on devices. I don't know exactly how that works, but they've got devices. They've got phones, and they've got tablets, and they've got video games, and they've got like a Roku, and they've got smart TVs. They've got everything in the world that distracts us. And we need to get back to being a people that believes that God can still move. You know what? When I was young... We, we kind of make fun of the older generation sometimes and how they did things, but they were effective at what they did when it came to the gospel. You know what people used to do when I was a kid? People would meet, and they would do what was called visitation. They'd go visiting. Anybody remember that? Anybody part of a church that ever did that before, went visiting? What would they do? They would go knock on people's doors and tell them about Jesus and sell them a vacuum cleaner, evidently, at the same time. But no, they would go knock on the door and they would tell people about Jesus and it was effective. Wow. They loved Jesus so much they were willing to go to where the need was at because they believed that God still moved. I've seen things growing up, revivals growing up that I will never, ever, ever forget. And I don't want to just be tethered to the past because I want to believe that God's still doing new things that he's still moving, that revival can still happen. But I can tell you one thing, the church is going to have to wake up for that to happen. We cannot be distracted, discouraged, and always talking about how busy we are and got this going on and the economy's bad. Do you think God has ever seen an economy bad before? I'm sure he's big enough for it. You think God's ever seen people turning away from him? Do you realize nowadays, see, a few years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, there was a movement of, of a group of people called the nuns, not, not the nuns that you would imagine in the Catholic Church, the N-O-N-E-S. It was people who didn't believe in anything. Well, now people kind of believe in something. They call themselves spiritual. 
But the things that have infected the church, it's not Christianity whatsoever. And if we don't stop being discouraged and distracted, we're not going to see God move. But I want to believe, I want to believe that with just enough faith, with just enough determined people, that we will begin to see God do things that only God can do. Do you know the stuff that I seen when I was growing up? I seen God fill up this little bitty country church that my dad was preaching at. So many people came in that the deacons and the leaders of the church would stand in the aisles just so people could have a seat. People would be in the foyer looking through a round window just catching, just to catch a glimpse of what's going on. Do you know what I seen one time? I seen a preacher preach his own salvation message. He got up and he preached the gospel of Jesus and he called people forward and recognized, I don't have Jesus, and turned around and kneeled at the altar and gave his life to Jesus. My mom, when I was 18 years old, she had been a pastor's wife for as long as that I could remember, 18 years, gave her life to the Lord. There's a man named Mark Steele that comes to this church now. He was wanting to be involved. This is after the church grew in this little country church. We moved to a civic center. We were baptizing all the time. We were meeting like there's a fire department behind us. If there was a fire, they would have to do their thing while we were having church. We were building a church at that time. But when you wanted to join the church, they would ask you their testimony. And Mark Steele will tell you, when they ask him what your testimony is, he goes, I don't have one. And they're like, well, you kind of need one. But things like that were happening. People were giving their life to the Lord. So my question is, what has happened? What's happened? Have we forgotten who we are? Do you remember the house? You guys remember how God was moving at the house? That we did whatever it took to get people to Jesus. You remember that? You remember that? Your husband, when I first met him, I mean, he was a delicate flower. He broke his ankles when I first met him, but he came to know the Lord. You remember bringing people, Lord? You remember showing up at my house one time, and I accidentally hit you in the eye with powdered sugar, and that, for some reason, that made you give your life to the Lord? You, just things happen, man. I've seen... This, that, that's not exactly how that happened. I wasn't that kind of... You, you give your life to the Lord, I'll hit you with powdered sugar. No. But you know, what we used to do, we used to pray. Do you remember at Camp Mac, the things that we used to do? We'd spend hours praying before Camp Mac's service would happen that night. We had a whatever-it-takes mentality. And now we have a, man, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. I guess I'm just stuck where I'm at. It's never, ever, ever, ever going to get better. I don't want to believe that way. I've been that guy. It's not fun. It's not fun. We've got this much time on this planet, right? Pastor Brian knows because he had this much time. Now he's got this much time left on this planet. I'm getting closer to, I recognize the age jokes are coming from me as well, so I'm going to get them out while I can right now. We've got this much time on the planet. God's given us breath today. What are we going to do with it? Are we wasting our days Oh, congratulations, you beat that video game. Way to go, kids. What did it do for you? Did somebody send you a million dollars for beating that video game? No. But you wasted a lot of your time. Not saying that you can't ever do stuff like that, but congratulations, you finished that series on Netflix. Way to go. Post it on Facebook so you can get likes. We are so distracted and not dealing with our discouragement, not dealing with our apathetic attitudes, that we're not seeing God do things that we know that God can do. I'm ready to see revival. I'm ready to see Metropolis change. So I want to show you some guys today that had that whatever-it-takes mentality, okay? So when we get to this end of this message, you got a chance to participate. 
And I'm going to ask that you participate. And if you don't want to participate, nobody's going to track you down and beat you up in the parking lot for not participating. But you can if God puts something on your heart today. So we look at Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It said, when he had returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. Now, this comes off the back end of Jesus healing somebody with leprosy. He told the guy with leprosy, hey, don't tell anybody about what I've done. The guy did the exact opposite and went and told everybody about what Jesus had done. And so people started showing up at the house, okay? They showed up at the house probably because one they had some kind of ailment or a family member or a friend with an ailment and they wanted Jesus to heal them. Or two, they were just curious. So if somebody had been healed, I mean, we'd all be curious. We'd show up. And I think that happened at the church too. I think people were hearing about what God was doing, so they were showing up out of curiosity or they had some kind of need. So while he was at the home, he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. How do you think the owner of that house felt? Just having a little Bible study and all of a sudden somebody's tearing your roof up. They removed the roof and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I'm going to call this message today, Grab a Corner. Grab a Corner. Do you have anybody that's in your corner? Grab a corner. Now, it would be easy for me to focus on the end of this passage. If you're familiar with it, the paralytic is laid before Jesus. He said, sons, your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees begin to question things in their heart. What, what gives him the right to say, son, your sins are forgiven? And then Jesus is like, is it easier for me to say, son, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. The man was healed. The man was healed. Isn't that interesting that the good part of this message, the, the mat that was carrying the man, all of a sudden became the man that was carrying the mat. Jesus told him to pick up his mat and walk. There was nothing that that paralytic could have done for himself, but when Jesus spoke the word, strength came into his legs. He stood up and he picked up that mat and he began to walk. That's an awesome part of that message because there's some of you that came to Christ. There was things that had been carrying you around your entire life. But when Jesus spoke the word, he told you to pick that up and carry it out. Drugs were carrying you. Depression was carrying you. Religion was carrying you. Whatever might have been carrying you around. That preaches a really good message. And I think it's interesting that Jesus told him to pick up the mat because, remember, it was so crowded people couldn't see. So when it came down on the mat, all of a sudden people are seeing the man that came down on the mat walking out with the mat in his hands because that's a great testimony. Just like some of you are like, drugs don't have me anymore. No more. Praise God, it doesn't have me anymore. Alcohol doesn't have me anymore. Depression doesn't have me anymore. It's not carrying me around. That's a great part of that passage to preach. But I want to focus on the four men. So we're going to look at the people in the passage here. We've got some players in this passage. First, there's Jesus. Jesus is the center piece, the focus point of the entire passage is Jesus. Everything we do revolves around Jesus. The whole word of God is all about Jesus. It's about Jesus. When we come in on the weekends, it's about Jesus. When we go to Life Academy on Monday morning, it's about Jesus. When you go to your job, it should be about Jesus. Our life is about Jesus. And Jesus took this opportunity when the crowds gathered in. I mean, he could have just started performing miracles like, hey, watch me go. I, I don't know if that's how Jesus healed or not. It might have been, I don't know. 
He could have started it like that, but he, he took this opportunity to preach the word of God to them. He came to preach. He also came to bring sight to the blind. He came to do these things, but we have Jesus in this passage. Then we have the paralytic. The man on the mat. Kind of a problem. Paralytic had a problem. Couldn't walk. He was on a mat every day. Now, let me ask you, is there anything that the paralytic could have done to fix himself? It's not a rhetorical question. It's not a gotcha question. Is there anything that the paralytic could have done to fix himself? No. He couldn't just muster up enough energy one day. I was on Pinterest this morning, and I saw this great quote, and all of a sudden I can work myself out and get up and begin to walk. He couldn't do it. He couldn't go, hey, man, if I just got a girlfriend, a relationship, that will fix my problem, and all of a sudden I'll be able to walk. He couldn't do it. On his, there's nothing he could have done to fix his problem. Hey, listen to me. There's nothing you can do to fix your problem. All right, this is a picture of sin and being apart from Jesus as well. There is nothing you can do to save you. No amount of good works, no amount of church attendance, no amount of K-love listening, no amount of sharing scriptures on Facebook. I don't know why I'm pointing you out. I'm just talking to you because you're my buddy, okay? I'm not saying you're doing those, any of those things. There's nothing you can do to save yourself at all. Just like these problems that you are trying to fix on your own, there is nothing you can do to fix them. If you've got a drug problem and you're just like, well, I'll just try to do this on my own, you're going to get deeper into the problem. A lot of people try to handle everything on their own instead of going to the source that can actually help them and bringing people in to the issue. Like people that have wisdom, by the way. You don't need echo chamber people. You need people that have wisdom. But I feel and I know because I am a human in 2021 that a lot of people are dealing with stuff. Whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whatever might be going on. And you have either gotten to the point that you've just given up or you're trying so hard every day to fix it. But you find yourself in the same spot. Just laying there. Because you can't make the strength happen in your legs. But then we have the men. We have the four men. And that's who we're going to focus on. They had the same need. The four men had the same need. The paralyzed man. This man's got a problem. All of a sudden, they took the burden on that this becomes part of our problem too. The same need. And we got to do something about it. They also had the same goal. Woo! The same goal. Let's get him to Jesus. Let's get him to Jesus. You remember that in the house? We had the same goal about some people, didn't we? Let's get them to Jesus. So we have this need, and we have this goal that we're going to do whatever it takes to get him to Jesus because that was their attitude. We will do whatever it takes. Now, I know that's a loaded statement because that doesn't literally mean doing whatever it takes, but it means having this mentality, whatever it takes, even if it inconveniences me, I'm going to get this problem to Jesus. Because you have two attitudes that you can choose from. It's too much of an inconvenience, or I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I'm afraid in my life I find myself on the side of it's too much of an inconvenience. 
Prayer does cost you something. Studying the word costs you something. Going to church costs you something. But I can tell you there's nothing better you can invest your life in into those things. We spend our time investing it into nonsense so much. And we lack the things that can actually fill us and build us and, and help us and grow us and make us better husbands and make us better parents and, and make us better friends and ministers. We invest in all these things that are stealing from us. I've wasted so much time doing nonsense that I can never, ever, ever get back. And I want to get back to the whatever it takes mentality. I will do whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. I'll do whatever it takes to get my problem to Jesus. And there was four of them that worked together. The problem with the too much of an inconvenience mentality, and listen, I'm not guilting you and telling you you have to be here every time the doors are open, or if you miss a day of prayer, you should walk around and feeling bad. But if it becomes a habit, you're going to just eventually have this I don't even care attitude. Like, when's the last time that you just stopped? You had something, someone going, when's the last time you just shut everything out and you were by yourself and you just cried out to God because of an issue that was going on? When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you woke up so hungry for the Word of God that there was nothing that was going to distract you from it? That's the danger, and I, I use my tablet and my phone for my Bible, but that's really the danger of having that because you know what else is on that phone? Other applications. I start getting messages, DoorDash is busy right now. So-and-so likes your status. You got an email. You know, I get, start getting all this other stuff that take me away from the Word of God. And then I just start looking into that, and it, it just pulls me away from the things that are good for me. So let me ask you, are you willing to have a whatever-it-takes mentality. I believe that God still answers prayer. I believe that God still rewards faith. So where are you going to be, church? How are we going to walk into 2022? If God allows us to get there, he may come back, which will be, woo, all right. But if he doesn't, where are we going to be walking into the next year? Or whatever it takes, church, or please don't inconvenience us. We got things to do. We're tired. And you might be tired. And we find our rest in Jesus. But if you're walking around with the same excuse that you had last year about being tired, something's wrong. So whatever it takes. So we have the people. Also, we look at the problems. The problems. Look at Mark 2, 4 here. It said, they could not get near him because of the what? Everybody say it with me. The crowd. They couldn't get near him because of a crowd. We encounter our first problem. The crowd's in the way. There's so many people wanting to see what's going on, they couldn't get to Jesus. Now, the way I've been in my life, if I've walked up and I'm like, okay, this is how we're going to handle this problem, and I get there and there's a large crowd, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to head out. You know, it's, it's too long of a line. I don't like lines, by the way. I don't. I like when I go to a theme park, I have it all to myself, basically. I don't like none of y'all being there. I want to be able to do whatever I want to do. And we went and ran a 5K at, at Epcot here a couple of weeks ago, which was really awesome, and running a 5K, I mean, it made running better because you're looking at Epcot, but we decided to go to a place called Hollywood Studios the next day, and it was on a Saturday, and it was slammed. And I had to just have a good attitude because I'm in Florida and not in southern Illinois, so I have a good attitude about it. But waiting in line for two hours for that, I was like, ah, 
But the thing is, is I really wanted to do the thing that I was waiting in line for, so I was willing to wait in the line. But a lot of us, when we encounter these problems, like, hey, there's, too, there's just there's too much. Like we have the crowds. Everything in our life is crowding out Jesus from us. So it's, ah, too much of an inconvenience. And then they also had the roof. They removed the roof above him. We see that. So they come up with an idea. The crowd's in the way. Okay, this is a problem, but we're going to do whatever it takes. They see, like, back the way that they designed those homes there, that most of them had stairs on the side of them to get up to the roof. And so they decided to take the stairs, and they got up to the roof. But now there's a roof in the way. Another problem. Nope. Not for these guys because they're like, whatever it takes to get to Jesus. I know the owner might get mad. He can send us the bill because we're about to tear this roof off. And that's exactly what they did. They began to tear through that roof. They didn't let any kind of inconvenience, any kind of problem, any kind of big problem stop them from getting them to Jesus. They made an opening. And I have done this so many times. Have you ever been praying about something? It seems like you've been praying about it for so long that you just want to give up. See, the thing that I would want to talk to Jesus about, and I really have no right to talk to Jesus about it, but have you ever thought about this Like sometimes, like wanting to ask Jesus, why has everything got to have a problem? Why does everything seem so hard? Because I've had some maybe not well-meaning televangelists tell me how great and wonderful my life was going to be if I gave my life to the Lord, and then I found out that, that you know, there's something coming against me. There's problems. There's always problems. And then there's patience. No, God, no. Do not make me try to develop patience. But problems and patience are a part of the process. When you have this whatever it takes mentality, you're going to have to recognize that you're going to encounter setbacks. But what if that setback is just a setup for what God is going to do? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? If you've prayed for a week, pray for two weeks if you have to. If you prayed for a month, pray for two months if you have to. Mom, how long did your uh, mentor, Miss Nina, how long did she pray for her husband to come to know the Lord? Wasn't it like 60-something years? Huh? 60 years. She prayed for her husband to come to know the Lord for 60 years. And he came to know the Lord, though, before he died, didn't he? That woman had a whatever-it-takes mentality, and I'm sure she was discouraged. Because when you're praying like that, you're thinking, this is going to be the day that he gives his life to the Lord, and then another day passes, and another day passes, and another day passes. Or you're witnessing to somebody, even if you are witnessing to somebody, and you're telling them about the Lord, and they reject it, and they reject it, and they reject it, and reject it. Or you start feeling some peace of God. You walk out of a service, and you feel the peace of God in your heart, but something comes your way to try to discourage you. You're like, it's never going to get better. Are you going to have the determination to know where that stuff comes from? And not let that crowd out Jesus from you. I'm going to get back to Jesus. I'm going to get back to Jesus. These problems, they're just a part of the process, and they actually produce something in you. If you read James chapter 1, it's a part of it. And by the way, we have this illusion in our mind that everything on this side of eternity is going to be lovely. Why would God, who has something better for us on the other side, make this side better than that side? 
We have something to look forward to, a hope to look forward to one day. So we are going to encounter trouble. But fear not, Jesus has overcome this world. But we got to have whatever it takes. So we got the people, the problems, then we got what it produces, the product. The product of what, what happened because of their determination. And it says in Mark chapter 2, verse 5 here, And when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, you catching it? When Jesus saw their faith, the four men, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And if somebody could go get Piper for me, she's going to help me out here in just a second. If somebody go to Life Kids and get Piper, you got it? Cool. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now I want to back up here for just a second. So these men, they got around the crowd. They walk up the roof. They're carrying this man. They break through the roof. They tie the ropes and they lower him down in front of Jesus. And they're thinking, oh yeah, here it comes. He's going to heal him. This man's going to walk. And the first thing that Jesus said is, Son, your sins are forgiven. If I'd have went through all that work, lowering a paralytic down that couldn't walk, and Jesus said that, I'd be like, What? Do you not realize what we just went through so this man could walk? Like we tore this guy's roof off. He's going to be really mad. Heal the man so he can run away with us. Come on. I'd be like, what is going on here? But this is how cool God is. When you have that whatever it takes mentality. God has this way of meeting needs. Check this out. Don't miss this. God has a way of meeting needs you didn't even know you had. Man, he's good like that. Because this man's salvation, forgiveness of sins, far more important than the fact that he could walk. Because if he can get up and walk and his sins aren't forgiven, great, he's got good legs until the end of his life. But now he can go into eternity. Our God is a need meter. And I bring that up because sometimes when I've been praying about stuff that I just felt like I knew this is what God wanted to do and he didn't do it, like I know that this door is supposed to open, but it didn't open, and it's frustrating, but then to see what God was actually doing and meeting a need that I actually needed is something amazing. Now, we find out at the end of the story, Jesus tells this man to stand up and pick up and walk. But he healed him on the inside before he healed him on the outside. And that, of course, is a picture of the way the gospel works from the inside out. But Jesus saw their faith. Now, they didn't just come in and say, we have faith. They didn't come in and just sing the song, you know, Jesus bring the rain or, you know, or whatever we sang this morning, all the songs we sang this morning. They put their faith into action. They put it into action because they had to get together, had to have the same determination, had to pick up the man, had to make the journey, had to get around the crowd, had to get up on the roof, had to get through the roof, had to take the time to lower him down. They put their faith into action. And a lot of times that's why we have a response time. If God's doing something in you, put that faith into action. 
Spend some time praying. I know you want to get to the Longhorn over in Paducah after this is over with, and you want to beat the crowds. But it doesn't matter if you have a need. You take time to pray. It might be a little bit of an inconvenience, but you put that faith into action. God, I'm going to believe you, and God, I'm going to work it out to show you that I believe you. James tells us that faith without works is dead. So Jesus actually saw their faith in action. And that brought about what happened to this man, to this problem that they all were experiencing together. Here's what they did. The man can't walk. They decided, we'll carry him. Crowds won't move. We'll go above them. Roof in the way. We will dig through it. Owner might get mad. He would just have to get over it. Don't know how Jesus will take it. It's worth the risk anyway because we know that the solution to our problem is Jesus. And this is how much faith that they had. Imagine how difficult it was getting the man through the roof. And imagine how much more difficult it would have been getting him back up had Jesus not had healed him. They had enough faith that when the man went down that Jesus was going to do something. Whatever it takes, do we have that kind of faith anymore in 2021? So here's the purpose of what I'm bringing to you today. The purpose is for you to grab a corner. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. This is how we operate at the church. And Piper, you gonna help me out? Lay your head here, honey. Everybody give Piper a big round of applause. I promise your daddy will not drop you. I can't say anything else about anybody else that comes up here, but I promise I won't drop you. <laughs> I'm just going to strap you in one. Most of us, maybe all of us, we have an issue. And, honey, this is just an illustration. You are not a problem, you're perfect. Your daddy's girl. Your brother is a problem, but you're not a problem, okay? <laughs> but we all have this problem. And maybe we're on the mat. Or maybe we have this situation that just, just cannot absolutely fix itself. You got, a, you got a marriage problem. You got a drug problem. You got a family problem. You got an anxiety problem. You know what the biggest lie is? They, they medicate everything in our culture now. They just tell you you're going to spend the rest of your life on pills for anxiety and depression. And that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Because the scripture would tell us to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now, I'm not telling you to go dump your pills down the, down the drain today. I am not a doctor. But I am telling you, that you do not have to spend the rest of your life stuck where you're at. But you got this issue going on. And what most of us do with our issue is one, we either try to put it to the side and hide it, forget about it, you know, try to pretend like it's not there, but then we wake up in the morning and we trip over it, we're reminded that it's still there. And then what most of us do is we try to lay flat. We try to bear this burden on our own. And we're walking around 
every day. I'm just doing that for dramatic effect. You're not that heavy. We walk around every day dragging our burdens and our problems around. And we're not really even going anywhere with it. But do you ever think you might be tired because you're trying to do this on your own? You ever think that? You ever think you might be tired because your situation is so burdensome that you're bearing this thing by yourself? Imagine. I don't know if it was one guy, so I'm the one guy that probably was told that Jesus can fix this problem. Now imagine if I tried to do this on my own. We're going to get him to Jesus. Come on, let's go. Can you imagine? I mean, if I had the whatever it takes mentality, I would have do, done whatever it took to get him to Jesus. But what the one guy did is brought some other guys in. Like, Bruce, can I borrow you for just a second? John, can I borrow you for just a second? Bernie, can I borrow you? Comer, can I borrow you? See, this is the purpose of the church, ladies and gentlemen. So I bring other folks in. Or say Comer has the need. He brings some men of God in here and is like, Look, I got this problem that can't fix itself. But I know of a man. I heard of a Jesus that I, if I could just get it before Jesus, I know Jesus can take my burden. Jesus can take my problem. See, a lot of us have this mentality. We can do it all on our own. You can't do it on your own. You were not meant to bear this stuff on your own. Even Jesus had somebody help him carry his cross. I think it's a picture for us. And we read in Galatians 6, 2, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But many of us are walking around with these issues that can't fix themselves, tired because we're bearing it on our own. And we don't bring the church and people into it to say, hey, can we just get together and pray? Will you just spend some time? Can we have a phone call? Can we, can we, can we talk? Can we meet for coffee and talk? Can we, can we just go to the church together and can we pray as long as it takes? And if it doesn't happen the first day, let's keep praying. You hold me accountable. Let's read the word of God together. Let's do whatever it takes, man. See, I was a part of a church called, uh, what was it called, Eastland Baptist Church, before we changed it to Life Church, we had this moment where this influx of people came in, and we're like, we don't have enough workers to handle this influx of people, and you know what we did for seven nights, we all got together, and we prayed, God, will you send the workers, and you know what God did, he sent the workers, it might have been an inconvenience because I want to go home after work and be done and just relax and go to bed, but we had that mentality, whatever it takes, man, we are going to reach this community. And some of you have a lost one. You have a lost family member. When's the last time you prayed for him? When's the last time you witnessed to him? When's the last time you invited him to church? When's the last time you brought some friends in and say, friends, listen, my family... This family member doesn't know the Lord. Will you pray with me that God would open up a way for them to see the gospel clearly? When I was a kid, my Uncle Alan, and I shared this story last night, was on the mat. He didn't know the Lord. Now, my Uncle Alan was always a cool guy. 
taught me how to catfish. I heard ZZ Top for the first time riding with him and your mom. <laughs> but he didn't know the Lord. And we were having a revival in Henry, Tennessee. And I don't know what hit my heart. But I went up to my dad with my sister, my brother, my mom was up there, and I said, we just need to pray for Uncle Alan. And we all just began to cry and pray. And I don't know when it happened because it was a long time ago. But there was a moment in my Uncle Alan's life where he was listening to what he usually listens to, but he was scrolling through the radio station, straight radio stations, and he heard the old rugged cross. He's like, I know that song from a kid. So he stopped and he listened to it. We kept it on the station. And there was preaching on the station afterwards. And the person that was preaching gave the gospel. And my Uncle Alan recognized that night that he didn't know the Lord. He pulled his car over and got out on his knees beside the car and he gave his life to Jesus. Because there was people that grabbed a corner. See, look at the burden. Can you each grab a corner here and lift her up? This is what it looks like as the church. For every one of us to grab a corner and bear one another's burdens and do whatever it takes to get this issue or this person or this problem to Jesus. We're not meant to do this alone. You could do it with two people, but it's a lot better with four, probably a lot better with six, maybe eight. We are to do this together and believe God to have enough faith that God, that you'll meet the need that needs to be met in this problem. God, if you don't show up here, God, this will never change. God, if you don't intervene, God, if you don't heal this, I'm not saying God will always answer the prayer like you think, but God's always moved by our faith. You guys can set her down very gently. That's my daughter. <laughs> you guys give Piper and these men a hand. So what I wanted to do, we're going to take communion. You were given a note card and you were given a pen. And I could tell you that nobody is going to read what you put on the note card. We might have a prayer service one day, but we will not read it. Unless you want somebody to read it, we won't deal with all that today. But this basket was full last night. And I set it on the mat because I wanted to be an illustration of the man. You got a lost one, lost friend, lost family member. You got a problem, you got an issue, you got a struggle. There's no magic in coming up here and putting it in the, in the basket. But maybe today you're just saying, you know what? I'm gonna bring this before Jesus. And I'm gonna encourage you today to grab you a John Willis or to grab you a Brian Cone, grab you somebody, grab you some people and bring them in to help bear this burden with you. To help you get this to Jesus. And when you encounter a problem and you encounter a setback, you guys have the determination, no, we're gonna keep going. We're gonna do whatever it takes. And so in a moment, we're gonna take communion and while we're getting ready for that, yeah, I know it might be embarrassing to stand up and walk up in front of everybody. But just do it. Say, Jesus, I'm laying this down before you. I'm laying it before you.
the Lord's laid something on your heart. And if you have to take time to come to the altar, come to the altar and pray. If you have to grab some friends, family members, and pray, come to the altar and pray. Guys, let's see revival happen. Let faith arise inside of us.